Welcome to Talking About Cities, the podcast that connects you with leading innovators working to revitalize cities across America. We talk to the thinkers and doers facing the challenges and celebrating the promise of cities today. I'm your host, Carol Coletta of the Kresge Foundation, with part four of our series on reimagining the civic commons. It's a five-city effort to reinvest in civic assets to create communities where everyone has a stake and everyone belongs. Today, our focus is on Akron, Ohio, where local partners have come together to take full advantage of the historic Ohio and Erie Canal Way to connect fragmented communities and restore an urban lake to new glory. Our guests are Susie Graham, president of Downtown Akron Partnership, Nick Moskos, chief of planning for Summit Metro Parks, and Dan Rice, president and CEO of the Ohio and Erie Canal Way Coalition. Together, they are collaborating on Akron's three-year initiative to reimagine the Civic Commons, funded by the Kresge Foundation, JPB Foundation, Knight Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, plus the William Penn Foundation. What's the value add to citizens for engaging in this process? They have a voice, and for years, at least in the Akron community, they really were not empowered. In many ways, they were actually discouraged. This provides them a forum to actually say and really form their communities. Prior to this, it just didn't happen. Who's in your inner circle of collaborators working on reimagining the Civic Commons? I'm from the Summit Metro Parks. We're working with the Ohio and Erie Canalway Coalition, DAP, Downtown Akron Partnership, the city. But our biggest inner circle of collaborators are definitely the residents. Because, as Dan said, to build on that, we're giving them a voice. And ultimately, they're the ones that are going to populate these spaces and have ownership and take care of them. When you say residents, Nick, do you mean residents of Akron? Do you mean residents of these neighborhoods? Residents, firstly, of the neighborhood. And then as they're comfortable with us, and I'll say Summit Lake, for instance, to have the economic integration that's necessary there, we've got to bring people in from the outside. But we have to have this trust of the people in that neighborhood so they don't once again feel like something's being done to them. And so describe Summit Lake and the area it's in, just quickly so we can get a picture of it. Summit Lake is a natural lake that was formerly the million-dollar playground of of the region and has fallen into disrepair and blight and uh, there's the have-nots on one side and the have-lesses on the other side and they're the red shirts and the blue shirts there's not that commingling and there's contamination of the lake so there's a lot of struggles to overcome and we really feel that the civic commons is going to be the solution to a lot of these problems describe how it becomes the solution because we're creating a common space for that they all can share. It, you, it's like after 9-11, we're all Americans. You know, so how can we get to the point where we can create, instead of black and white, gray, some place that they can share and have ownership of, and that really creates this incredible space on this incredible asset that's underutilized. All right, that's at one end of your Civic Commons demonstration initiative. Susie downtown is on the other end, Mm -hmm. and I would think you don't have a lot of residents to call on, or at minimum, you have residents and employers, employees, 
and students in your Correct. case who use downtown on a regular basis. So does this process in terms of engagement and empowerment include employees who work downtown? Does it include students who live and study downtown? Yes, so you're getting at one of our most significant challenges in downtown is that it is an, a relatively open space where few people feel ownership. And oftentimes they'll say, well, this isn't my space, it belongs to the students. And then when you go talk to the students, the students say, well, this is not my space, it belongs to the businesses. One of the ways that we're trying to go at that challenge systemically is to pull together partners from all of those different sectors and work, again, sort of a, so that we speak to leadership in all of those different sectors and come up with a shared vision for the space so that ownership becomes co-ownership and that we work really thoughtfully about making sure that we're communicating to that wide constituency and integrating that wide constituency and celebrating that the shared space aspect and the public space aspect is one of the most important and valuable assets that we have. How has the work around reimagining the Civic Commons changed the way you steward downtown? We absolutely have shifted the way that we do business. We are a convener of no authority as the Downtown Akron Partnership. Where we see our value is the ability to bring people together for the greater good of downtown. And so the way that we go about that work is not to engage one stakeholder that may have significant power in one specific initiative or a, a challenge, but it's to bring everyone who touches that space and some people that we haven't even thought about into the room to think collaboratively about what is going to be best for that space for all of the people involved. You've been at it a little more than six months. What have you learned? Dan? A lot. <laughs> we have literally, as I said earlier, tapped into almost an incredible demand for civic engagement. It's almost like released this spirit, this enthusiasm, this passion. I've been doing this for 24 years. I thought I knew this community. I thought I knew this, these spaces. Every day I learned something new. One of the most personally satisfying is that there's a, a spirituality component to the work at Summit Lake because of the, the resonance and there's that attachment to this physical space that it has been abused, as Nick said a few minutes ago, since really uh, the turn of the century. But yet there's a population there that still identifies with this physical space. It has meaning. People have told us that they are attracted to this physical space, but yet they don't have a place to sit. They sit in their cars. I've learned, as you said, that collaboration is messy. And, and as you know, we've worked with over 150 different partners, so it's not like we don't have experience in collaboration. But when you get down to even very specific level, it is just very messy. The lastly is that this is an incredible learning journey. Even this experience here in Chicago, I've learned yet more things and, and are excited and energized to put them into practice back in Akron. So you've learned things. I know you've also encountered challenges. Biggest challenge, the one that made you say, take the money and leave me alone. Building trust and restoring trust. That one hit me hard. Nick said it earlier that there's been a legacy, and Susie touched upon as well, of things being done to and not with. And I will tell you, there was a really fascinating moment where I felt it too, where we were in the Summit Lake uh, Community Council meeting and a local university was coming in, they had the project all laid out, they had the dates all set up, they were gonna do this, they were gonna do that, they had the outcomes. Nobody had bothered to ask the community. And as I sat there in that meeting, my stomach, 
I got, unco- I, I got physically uncomfortable and I thought to myself, this is what it must feel like to have things done to you and not with you. And so we've been incredibly intentional about listening. There'll be so many means we would just go to and we would just sit and listen. We wouldn't say a word because by being present, we had to prove and earn that trust and that respectability. And I'm so honored that we have been invited into whether it's Park East, the Callis Tower or the Williams Tower. We've been invited into the Summit Lake Community Association. It's their meeting. It's not our meeting. But one of the most gratifying things is they have now recognized that this is, to Susie's point, their new way of doing business. It's very interesting. If you do your work right, in three years, what does this look like? Ideally, in three years, there will be an absolute blurred line between where the Civic Commons ends and where regular civic work begins. So non-Civic Commons, right now it's a geographic area, that's the boundary. The boundary provides a demonstration area that is clearly defined in which we can gather some great data and prove a case for continuing this process moving forward. So in three years, ideally, we will have already been pushed outside of those boundaries. And I I think we've got some very excited people about this process already. I know Downtown and Partnership, we are integrating this process into all of our work. And so in three years, to see all of the, the inner circle and the outer circle having integrated this way of doing business into their regular lives would be an incredible thing for our community. You're listening to Talking About Cities, and we're talking today with Ohio and Erie Canal Way Coalition leader Dan Rice, Downtown Akron Partnership President Susie Graham, and Summit County Metro Parks Chief of Planning Nick Moskos. Reimagining Civic Commons is focused on four outcomes, value creation, civic engagement, environmental sustainability, and socioeconomic mixing. When you think, Susie, as you said, the lines will be blurred, it will be a new way of doing business, and you talk very strongly and passionately about enabling people, right, empowering citizens to be involved, and we're doing things with them, not to them. Do you also believe that in three years you can sort of push the commitment to those outcomes into regular civic work? Absolutely. I think that the three years allows us time and also allows us resources to demonstrate them as successful ways of going about business. So it won't just be that this is important from an ethical standpoint, but this is important from a success standpoint. And if our cities are going to survive, we need to think about how we survive successfully and that we move out of survival mode and into a thriving mode that's not reliant on a visitor population or you know the, the, the things that cities tend to gravitate into and instead digging down and realizing the value that is in its people and putting those people first as being the most valuable assets that we have because they have given everything to our community, they give it their life. Nick, I'm curious, when you're making decisions about Summit County parks and and the programming, for instance, of those parks or the physical changes in those parks, are you now beginning to think, how do I get socioeconomic mixing in this park? Or how do I think about this park as a value creator for the surrounding neighborhood? Is that part of your thinking and your staff's thinking yet? Can it become part of the thinking? That is a great question, and and really it ties right into one of our goals, which is we want to serve the underserved. And 
by doing so, there's so many opportunities for us to have a presence in an urban setting, which we never had before. So we know that if we focus on these areas that haven't been served in the past, those kids' lives that we touch, for instance, with programming opportunities, they get to see that there's good things that can be done and their lives go on in a way that we went to the river the other day, the river here in Chicago, and they have the boating. And not only are the people getting out on the lake and on the river and seeing the river, they're actually having a love for nature. And as far as sustainability goes, sustainability is not only saving of the natural resources, but it's like if nobody goes to the park, is it going to be sustainable or will it go away? We need to sustain and have those economic drivers just by having a love of nature. So we realize that that mixing of user groups and for us to get into these urban settings, that blurred line that Susie talked about, we want the same thing. We want our parks to be integrated directly into these um, civic spaces so people view us hand in hand with the administration of the city and all the different great entities that are doing work here. It feels to me that this work to be sustained not ha- has to have exactly what you said, public love, yes, right? Uh, you got to get some love on these assets and this way of doing business. It has to add value and it also has to get political traction and those two things are connected. You all work in political environments, whether you work for government, but you have partnerships with government. Nick, you're in government. What is it going to take to get political buy-in, take-up, lift on this way of doing business that you guys are buying into, but what does it look like at City Hall, at County Hall? I think it's twofold. One, we would not even be sitting here today if we didn't have the political buy-in from the very get-go. As you well know, Akron is such a, a critical juncture in its history. We have had a complete turnover, not only in leadership at City Hall, but at the county level, our parks level, our certain economic sectors, our hospitals, our universities. I have never seen this type of just complete, just turning it over. Now, it's So Dan, how did you and Susie survive? Well, no, I- <laughs> Good question. question. Way to go, guys. (laughs) You beat the the trend. (laughs) Well, what's interesting is, I think, and I'm curious to get Susie's take on this, the community could have reacted one of two ways. They could have kind of threw their hands up and said, oh, what was us? Or they could do what they did do, and that is say, it's a new day. There's new energy. Let's embrace this. And I have to think that that's exactly what has happened here, that everybody has said, this is an incredible opportunity. It probably only happens once in a lifetime in a community where you have such transformational change happening in so many agencies simultaneously. So you have that level. But I think at the same time, then that unleashes that groundswell of civic engagement. All across our community, everybody has said to us, well, when is, to Susie's point, when is the civic commons going to come to my neighborhood? You know what our answer is? Now. Take this and use it now. And you know as well as I do that it might not have happened 10 years ago under the previous administration. But we have such an incredible opportunity, and it's up to us to do it in partnership with our citizens, with all of our agencies, to seize that and make it happen. So when you ask about political buy-in, it's there. That box is checked off. They're basically saying to us, what's next? I think there's value in also saying, why not? 
And it's interesting because Mayor Horgan has adopted this why not Akron mantra. So what's the other option? Do we sit back and refuse to step into what's going on in the city and just allow continued suburban sprawl and continued uh, development and what do we do with our dwindling infrastructure? So it, it begs the question, what other option do we have? So if we're out of options, why not go all in in the right direction and do it together and make sure that we're all in it? I love it. Susie, Dan, Nick, thanks so much for being our guest on Talking About Cities. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thanks to the Akron Civic Commons team, Dan Rice, Susie Graham, and Nick Moscos. And thank you for listening. You can always hear the latest Talking About Cities podcast and the archive of past shows at kresge.org. And there you can also find links to learn more about our guest. Contact us at talkingaboutcities at kresge.org with your comments and suggestions. I'm your host, Carol Coletta, Senior Fellow with the Kresge Foundation's American Cities Practice. And until next time, let's keep talking about cities.